we're a little bit we're a little bit ahead of time this morning. I've never heard of a congregation complaining if they got out early. What I'd like to do is invite you to get your bulletin, and inside your bulletin you'll find the connection card. The green and white card today, and it's an opportunity for you to just give us whatever information you like. And if you have any questions, there are things on the back you can check or write in. And, but it's a way for us to connect with you, and, and especially if this is your first or second time, we'd appreciate it. And after you're done, you can just leave it on your pew. And as you're doing that, I'll just remind you of some things that we have on our bulletin today. Uh, naturally, we have our food and fellowship right after service, time for a light lunch. We have our young marriage fellowship today at 2, uh, single adult dinner tonight at 5 here at church. And let's see. And then the rest of the things you can read about underneath that. I have so much time. We can talk about the Lakers. No, we don't want to talk about the Lakers, do we? How about UCLA? That's a happy subject. Nah. Just to give you a little heads up, today we're starting a series. It's going to be a five-Sunday series, starting concluding today, five Sundays, and we're going to be talking about Christian hospitality. Now, when we say Christian hospitality, sometimes you think, well, are you talking about just the church? Of course not. It has to do with how your heart is in regards to how you see people and how you see strangers. Not only you know the people with, with, that you know and love, but also strangers, people you don't know at all. You may have noticed that in our foyer, we have what we call now Connection Central. And it's going to be, we haven't stocked it yet, but we're going to be, uh, that is going to be a place where we're going to encourage people to go to uh, if they'd like to have information uh, about the church or, or anything connected to the church. They can go there and leave, uh, fill out things and get brochures. And, and we might even have a gift for first-time people. I sure hope so. But uh, that's something that's going to be up and running. Pastor Corey, next Sunday? Today? Actually, we have things in there today? You have to give up. <laughs> then we're not starting then. <laughs> yeah, don't go up there and ask for a double-double or anything, you know. That's, uh, that's for something else. Okay, if you have your Bible, I invite you to open up your Bible to the book of Luke. This is the Gospel of Luke. Right there in the early part of the New Testament, Matthew, Mark, Luke. We're going to read a, a really a neat story. And for those of you who have been in the church a while, for those of you who read your Bible regularly, this is a story that I'm sure that, that when you read this, it's kind of a pleasant story to read. It's not complicated. It's not deep. But it says a lot about uh, communicating God's heart in regards to uh, strangers, fellowship, uh, people touching people. Luke chapter 24. We're just going to read a few verses of this story. Luke chapter 24, verses 13 through 17. It says, Now that same day, two of them were going to a village called Emmaus, about seven miles from Jerusalem. They were talking with each other about everything that had happened. As they talked and discussed these things with each other, Jesus himself came up and walked along with them. But they, kept, they were kept from recognizing him. 
he asked them, what are you discussing together as you walk along? Let's stop right there. Let's pray. Father, as we get into this text, the story that, Father, you saw the, the value in passing along through the generations to us today, Father, we pray that you'll talk to us, not only as a, as a church, but especially as your children, individually. May our hearts be able to, to understand and embrace what you have for us. We ask this in Jesus' name. Amen. If you're not that familiar with this church and the, the conference that we're in, this church, uh, you may have noticed, we have an English-speaking congregation, but we also have a Japanese-speaking congregation. And I th- I've always thought it's kind of neat, because right here under our own roof, we are actually doing like missions work. Our ministry here in this church through the Japanese-speaking congregation, we are reaching a different culture. We are crossing that cultural line. We are, we are ministering to, to a people group that, has a, that have a different language than we speak here. And I think it's just terrific that we have that ministry opportunity. I always thought it was pretty neat. But anyway, I don't speak Japanese. Um, I barely survive in a Japanese restaurant. I actually do better at Taco Bell. Okay. But a while back, I was in San Francisco. And uh, there's this Japanese pastor up there that I have contact with once in a while. I didn't really know him very well. And he said, hey, Rick, you come to my house for dinner tonight. And uh, we're, in a, we're in a same committee together. And so he's, I said, fine. So he, he uh, led me to his car, and we went to his house. And, um, and there he, uh, he, his wife had this, this very nice meal uh, set up for us. And, and, uh, and she sat at the table, and, and he was there. And, and they, they spoke to me, and, and their English was pretty good, but it was a broken English. And I spoke to them in a, in a clear uh, way I, as clear way as I could, and we, we talked, and we just had a really great time. Now, think about this. When I see that pastor again, is he a stranger to me anymore? Of course not. We know each other. We know each, I, I know him better than, than a lot of people I know. We had that quality time of sitting together and talking and sharing about our lives. We've kind of broken through that, that invisible force field that many times keeps us separated from other people, right? Because even though we, we're around people a lot of times that we don't know, we, we don't really do much about that situation. But when I think of this pastor now, we're actually kind of friends. And why is that? Because of his hospitality. Christian hospitality is a fundamental, let's say, a foundation-building part of the Christian life. It's a big part of the Christian fellowship. It is a crucial role in the unity, in the testimony, and in the growth of the body of Christ. A true spirit of hospitality is, is rooted in and is a, a product of God's love. Isn't that true? Think about it. A true spirit of hospitality really is, is connected to that love that God gives you, that new love that you have. Why? Because you have Christ. It's that love for your fellow man. It's that love, it's that love for the world. The reason why Christ hung on the cross. Starting today, and like I said, for the next few weeks, we're going to be 
studying what God says about Christian hospitality. And when, we, when I say that, realize what I'm talking about is that enjoyment that, that God wants us to have with one another. And, and that welcoming spirit God wants us to have in our heart for those we don't know and those who are outside the kingdom of God. And today we're going to talk about the story of Jesus on the road to Emmaus. A great story, we just read a part of it. And that was, this story is in the Gospel of Luke. And if you know your Bible, Luke is this physician, and he's like a, he's a doctor. He's a doctor, physician, but he's also a, a wonderful historian. He is such a good historian that many non-Christian historians will look at, at Luke's writing, and they can, they can mark times in history because of the things he said and the things he mentioned. So we have the Gospel of Luke, which is Luke gathering all this information about Christ and putting it in this form to communicate uh, to this non-believer. That's how this letter was. But then it continues on, and if you're going to read more beyond Luke, you read the, the book of Acts. Acts of the Apostle is like that continuation um, of, of the Gospel of Luke. And it's just great writing. So let's get into this. Let's turn to Luke chapter 24. We're going to start again at verse 13 and 14. And we're going to talk about what we would call the journey home. The journey home for these two guys. Luke chapter 24. Let's read 13 and 14. Now that same day, two of them were going to a village called Emmaus, about seven miles from Jerusalem. They were talking with each other about everything that had happened. Cleopas, name one of the guys, and his friend, they were both in Jerusalem. For how long, we really don't know. We don't know how long they're there. We don't know why they're there. They could have been there for business, for a wedding. We just don't know. But they were there together, these two guys. And, and they, they seem close because they're, they're, they're walking back and they're talking and and there's, a, there's a, just a real comfort and ease as we read this story. There's nothing forced about it. They must have had a lot of things in common. And most likely, when we think about this, they probably were walking home. They're going from Jerusalem, or wherever they, whatever they did there, and they're walking home. So they're both from this village called Emmaus. And because of the details that we can read in this conversation, and their knowledge of what happened to Jesus in Jerusalem, we might even be able to say that they were believers, but we don't know for sure. They may have been believers in the Lord, or maybe they were just curious, but their hearts were open to who Jesus was. But anyway, they're, they're talking about this, and, 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 and we kind of get a sense that there's a certain heaviness to them. You know, they're talking, they're, they, they mentioned in the text later on about uh, what Jesus went through, his suffering, uh, what the crucifixion of Christ, the, the placing him in the tomb, and when you think about that, if they were possibly believers or close to it, that was an extremely tragic thing for them to, be, to witness. For whether they're believers or not, whatever they saw in this man Jesus, boom, it's over. It's history. He's dead. And they talk about in, that, in, in their conversation that they saw him, they saw that he was placed in a tomb, and that was it. But you know, the, the Tragedy upon tragedy happened. The women went to the tomb, and it was empty. So not only did they lose him on the cross, 
but they lost his body. It was stolen. And so they, they, they communicate a certain amount of heavy hearts here. They may have been in a state of, maybe, of grief and, and, and just even kind of a, a mourning of, of what they thought was going to happen with their lives following this man called Jesus. So here they are. They're walking the seven miles from Jerusalem to Emmaus to their hometown. And it's a very natural. I just want to re- just repeat. It's a very natural. It seems like a very comfortable environment of these two guys that are sharing this sadness. No pretense, no searching on for words. They're just two, two buddies walking the road. Let's go on here. Let's talk about the stranger they meet on the road. Look at verses 15 through 16. Let's read those. As they talked and discussed these things with each other, Jesus himself came up and walked along with them. But they were kept from recognizing him. Kind of weird, huh? Kind of interesting. See, the Bible seems to be telling us that it was God's will that Jesus not be recognized. That, that even though these men may have had tender hearts toward the Lord, may have even have been believers in the Lord, Jesus visibly appeared different to them. And purposefully, he did not identify himself with them. He knew they didn't recognize him. And so, and so there he is, comes up alongside of them, just kind of boom, there he is, and, and, he, and he's, he's walking alongside. Look at verse 17 and 18. He asked them, hey, what are you, what are you discussing together as you walk along? They stood still, their faces downcast. One of them, named Cleopas, asked him, Are you only a visit to Jerusalem and do not know the things that have happened there in these days? And Jesus responds, What things? You know, if you're a teacher, I know we got a bunch of teachers in here. If you're a teacher, you know that the best way to teach always involves asking questions. So Jesus asked this question, what things? And, and it just gives them that opportunity, these two guys, to immediately begin to share. And they start sharing about all these, about the boom, the sequence of events. This happened, this happened, this happened, and boom, they nailed him to a cross. And just detail, they go in detail, and, and just telling the stranger what happened in Jerusalem. And they conclude with this fantastic story of these women who go to the tomb and the tomb is empty. You know, just, just in a little bit we've covered so far, let's think about this in the, in the light of our subject. How open are you to talking to strangers? Think about it. I don't think it takes long for you to put that together. How open are you to talking with strangers? You know, even though we may be here together every Sunday, you know, week after week, month after month, maybe even year after year, you know, um, it's kind of like Jesus. You're sitting in the pier, pews, and all of a sudden, boom, right next to you. There's some stranger sitting next to you, right? Just like Jesus walked up to these two men on the road. He just, they just appear. There's these strangers sitting next to you. What do we do in the church here? We may say good morning. And in some cases, that's where it stops. 
Right? In some cases, that's where it's found. I'm, I'm like you, and it's natural to do what we, I just described. I'm like you where it really takes a conscious effort for me to talk to strangers. But I've known through the years that that is the most important thing uh, in the kingdom when it comes to, to God using us in a world that doesn't know him. I remember when I was in, in Bible school up in Sacramento, uh, my, my wife took the car. We had one car when we were studying up there, and I rode the bus. And, and I'd say, Lord, bring me someone on this bus bench who I can talk to. And so whenever, whoever sat on the bench bus, I'd always start off a conversation with them. I, I'd start off by saying, you know, I'm kind of new in the city. How are you doing, you know? Hey, tell me, can, can you share with me what church you go to? And they'll say, either I don't go to church, I go to this church or whatever, but man, the, the, the door's open. We can start talking. The other, yesterday, my, my uh, youngest daughter had a softball game. She's, she plays for a Diamond Bar softball team, and uh, they, they, they're in the championship game yesterday uh, in San Dimas. And uh, it, there's this, this, this one guy who's always at the games taking pictures. And I've seen him from a distance, but it just so happened that after the game, I happened to be sitting fairly close to him. And uh, I just felt the Lord say, hey, man, reach out to this guy. So, I, so I, I, I called out to him and said, hey, I don't think I've met you. I'm Rick, and I took up my hand. He grabbed my hand and shook it, and I found out he's a Christian. I found out he's a Christian by just saying, hey, well, I said, do you teach in the, the high school? He said, oh, no, I, I work in Diamond Bar, but I live in West Covina. And I said, that's funny. I live in Diamond Bar, but I work, uh, but I work in West Covina. And so he said, oh, well, where do you work? And I said, well, I'm the pastor of the church that's right there on Cameron by the DMV. He says, oh, I know that church. I don't live far from there. And he says, yeah, I go to Calvary Chapel, Chino Hill. And so we started going, and he used to go to Chuck Smith's church in Costa Mesa, and that's where I went to church in my early days. And, and just that connection. And at the end of our conversation, I see he's, he's, he's walking off, and he waves to me. He says, hey, Rick, I'll see you later. I just hope I remember his name next time I see him. <laughs> You know, but, 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 you know, that's, it's a neat thing. You, you know, we all like to feel connected with people, don't you? Isn't it much more fun to go somewhere where you're connected with some people? Don't you just love that, that series called Cheers, where old Norm walks in and everyone yells, Hey, Norm! You know? You just feel like you're, you're, you're amongst people who know you, and, and there's a certain comfort and strength there. And realize that God knows that that makes us feel good. And God knows that there's strength in that. And God knows that's part of the unity that he wants to see in his kingdom. Let's go on here. Where was I? I can't even remember where I was. Let's get into this. this, Now, let's get into this real interesting part of the story. And I, I recall the invitation. Look at verse 28, we're going to jump all the way down to verse 28. And I'm going to read verse first for 28 and 29. So here these guys just told him all event by event by event what went on in Jerusalem, okay? And they ended with this empty tomb. And then in 28 it says, As they approached the village to which they were going, Jesus acted as if he were going further. But they urged him strongly, stay with us, for it is early evening. The day is almost over. So he went in to stay with them. Isn't that a neat story? 
I mean, you think, see, Jesus is kind of acting like he's going to keep on going. But he was just waiting. He's just waiting for them to invite him. That invitation just opened a whole different ballgame for this situation. He, he, he said, hey, I'm going to go on. They, no, no, come on, man, join us. This has been really enjoyable. Come in and stay with us tonight. You know, when we think of strangers, there's very few strangers you're going to meet who are going to impose themselves on you. Very few. When we think of people who come through our doors here, when we think of the service ending, and we say, hey, we have, a, we have light lunch for everyone in the social hall, it can be kind of uncomfortable to enter that social hall. It can be kind of uncomfortable standing in line to get food with a bunch of strangers. It can be uncomfortable after you get your, you don't even know what you're in line for. Think about it. You get in line for this food, but you don't even know what's at the other end. You ever do that? I've never done that before coming here, right? But that's what we're we're seeing. Hey, you're a stranger? Hey, get in line and get whatever's there. And then after they get it, then it gets really challenging. Where in the world do I sit? Every table looks like it has someone. Oh, my gosh, where do I sit? That's a bummer. But, But what if, what if that stranger were invited, hey, you know, after service, we serve a light lunch. Sit with me. And, and, and you just get in line with them, and, and you get a nice opportunity to get to know them, and then they sit at the table with you. Uh, isn't that different? That's what we're talking about here. The invitation to invite that stranger, to invite that visitor to stay and sit with you. Come on, Jesus. Stay the night, because it's getting dark. And man, it's been fun getting to know you. Look at verses, let's see, did we read? 30 and 31. Look at this. This will freak you out. When he was at the table with them, he took bread, gave thanks, broke it, and began to give it to them. Then their eyes were opened, and they recognized him. And he disappeared from their sight. Isn't that a cool story? That is so neat. I love that story where he just disappears, you know. And, and, and see, it's, in, it's interesting. The guest took charge. It wasn't the host, but it just happened to be the guest took charge. And not to say our guest should take charge, but I'm saying that here Jesus can take charge of the situation and really bless you sitting together. Jesus can just take charge and just bless everyone. Just bless the socks off of them. Look at, I'm going to read 32 to 35. Now think about it. This is what they could have missed. 32 to 35. They asked each other, were not our hearts burning within us while he talked with us on the road and opened the scriptures to us? They got up and returned at once to Jerusalem. Get that. They, they, got, they got to their hometown in Maus. They got inside their house. They're all comfy. And boom, they just immediately got up and turned around and they went back to Jerusalem. There they found the 11, the disciples, apostles, 
And those with them assembled together and saying, It is true! The Lord has risen and has appeared to Simon. Then the two told what happened on the way and how Jesus was recognized by them when he broke the bread. This is Luke's first mention of the appearance of the resurrected Lord. His first mention of it. And you see, these two guys are so excited about, them, about Jesus in their home and the, and the conversation they had on the road and the way he appeared and boom, he's gone. They are so excited they ran back to Jerusalem to tell the, the, the disciples, the, the apostles about it. And if they didn't invite him, they would have missed it. He would have just been another stranger. And if they weren't true believers then, before meeting that stranger, they certainly are now. And really that's part of what we're talking about. When we as believers have contact with other people, it gives God an opportunity to bless. It gives God opportunity to open eyes and to touch hearts and to maybe make way for someone to come to know him better talking about changing lives. We're not talking about the feeding of the 5,000, but in this story, we're talking about two guys, two guys whose lives were changed forever because they went through this experience and they felt led to invite this stranger to sit at their table. This is a great story. Know that God has it in his word for a reason. And just in review, when we think of the story, Let's think about the three things, just briefly mention, I'm going to mention three things that I, I pull from this story. One, the abundant life in Christ, the abundant life that, that, that you can live by having faith in Christ includes the blessing of having friends. Sounds pretty basic, huh? But, but that, is a, that is really a, a good thing to keep in mind. The blessing of friends do never take for that for granted. God wants you to have that human connection on a level that is more personal than just saying hi and good morning. The abundant life in Christ includes the blessing of having friends. People you like with, people you want to walk with, people you want to talk with. Second thing, the plan of God for the church in the world always involves loving others loving others, to invite them, to initiate that conversation, to, to, to go the extra mile with those people you may not even know, to show God's love. And the last thing I want to mention is the challenge of any church, and that is not only any church, but also every individual Christian. Don't get too comfortable. You know, it's easy to get comfortable. It's easy. Like even here, you can come here every Sunday. You can, you know, get into the worship and, and, and hear, be a part of what's going on here in the service. And it's just like shoving it into overdrive. You just, hey, next thing you know, I'm going to get lined up and grab some food and sit at my table I usually sit at. And sit down with these people I usually sit at every Sunday. And, yeah, I'm going to go home. Too comfy. See, God wants us to always understand that he has things for us each day. 
And if you're going to really walk in the Lord, if you really choose to, to live the life in the Spirit, then you've got to be discerning. You've got to be sensitive to how God's using you or God wants to use you. And that may be for you just to keep your eyes open and understand, hey, there are people. There, when people walk through our doors, they're not walking through our doors by random. I believe that anyone who walks through our doors, God has brought them here to either encourage them or, or bless them in some way, uh, maybe even set them on a path that they didn't even know existed. So don't get too comfortable. Paul wrote to the church in, in Rome, Romans 12, 13, practice hospitality. And you can't get too comfortable when you're trying to be hospitable, right? You better not be if I come to your house. I'm just kidding. It's a short message today because we have the Lord's Supper. So let's prepare our hearts to receive the Lord's Supper. I'm going to share a little bit before we receive the elements. Uh, did you guys know that Wednesday, this past Wednesday, March 1st, was Ash Wednesday? Did you guys know that? The Ash Wednesday, you think, well, what's that mean? Well, it's the beginning of Lent. Well, what's that mean? Well, Lent ends the Saturday before Easter. And basically what it is, it's a countdown of 40 days prior to the, to, to the celebration of Easter, the resurrection. 40 days not including Sunday. Now, you may say, well, okay, why 40? You know, 40 is a very significant number in the Bible. If you re read your Bible regularly, you come across the number 40 quite often. When we think of 40, we think of 40 days it rained, uh, uh, days and nights it rained for Noah and the flood, right? 40, 40 years, Moses was out in the wilderness before God put him in a place to, to, to lead Israel out of Egypt. 40 days, the Lord was in the wilderness and eventually was tested by Satan. Forty days, the Lord, after the resurrection, he communicated with those followers of his. Forty. That number 40 is very significant. And so when we think on Lent, it's 40 days. It's kind of a countdown. It's kind of a, a time of preparation of our hearts for the most important celebration of the Christian faith. And that's Easter. That's the resurrection. That is the most important celebration we have in the church. So the themes of Lent are, are kind of on the somber side. Even though we as a church, we don't observe a lot of the activities of Lent, let me share with you some of the themes of Lent and, sh and, and share with you how we can be uh, observant of this time and have our hearts prepared. One of the themes of Lent is the cross. It's the cross. It's, it's meditating on the crucifixion. In other words, it's giving real thought, real time, and, and, and kind of a, a, a humble viewing of the cross and having that spirit of gratitude, having that spirit of reverence. Why? It's all about remembering what Christ has done for us. Amen. Second theme, confession of sin. Why is that? You know, confession and sin is a very humbling thing. A lot of times we can keep on going on and doing things and thinking things we shouldn't, 
But we just let it go, and we just keep on going. That confession of sin causes us to be reminded of one real, real basic thing. After the dust we are made, and the day is going to come when we're going to return to it. And that confession of sin is that, is that reminder of our physical and also our spiritual weaknesses and frailties. Third thing, spiritual discipline. Primarily prayer and fasting. Uh, Lent is a time of real reflection. It's a time of introspection. Lent is a time of, of solitude and even a, a certain amount of, of heaviness because of what Christ had to go through for us. He chose to go through it, and he had to do it, or we would be in a terrible strait. And although, like I said, we don't observe all these things, there's ways we, as a congregation here at West Covina, we can do some things that will help us kind of embrace that spirit of Lent, preparing ourselves for, for the resurrection that's coming, the celebration of the resurrection. One of those ways is self-denial. Take, for example, I don't know why, but my kids get into Lent. They, they, I don't know why they get into Lent. They're the ones who said to me after last Sunday, hey, you didn't mention Lent. <laughs> I'm thinking, oh, yeah. <laughs> and so I said, oh, I'll do it next Sunday. So here it is this Sunday. But Lent is that time, you know, like I just shared with you. And one of my kids, they, she already had a list. She started on Wednesday. This is my list for Lent. And I asked her if I could share this. And I'll just share part of her list. She's going to give up these three things that I'm going to mention. Number one, she's giving up uh, sugary foods. You like sugary foods? Sure you do. Number two, she's going to give up flaming hot Cheetos. You laugh, but if you like those things, man, that is tough to go through 40 days without flaming hot Cheetos. Okay? Number four, she's not going to go to Starbucks. Think about that. That is a for some of you are saying, what? I'd never do that. So she's not going to go to Starbucks. She can't go. When she gets that, uh, she's not going to go for that, that double chip chocolatey frappuccino thing, you know? That's, those things are out till the Saturday before Easter. The day before Easter, okay? And, and you know, why is that? Why do you want to do that? Because... When you give up something that's close to you, I don't care what's that thing's close to you. Is there a TV show you're following? Is there some TV show you really like and you're right in the middle of it and you can't wait till the next episode? Think about giving it up. Give it up, huh? How about throwing your cell phone in the toilet? Nah, you won't do that. <laughs> but you know, there's something that you, that is, that is important to you, that when you give it up, during these 40 days, it is going, every time you think about it, because you're going to want to do it, or you're going to want to eat it, or you're going to want to go to it, whatever it might be, it's going to remind you why you're doing it. And why are you doing it? Because the greatest celebration in the history of the church is coming up, and that's the resurrection. That reminder. That reminder. So give us some thought. Give it some thought. And maybe the Lord will put on your heart to, to give up something for the next days before Easter. And that way you will be reminded, yeah, the resurrection, it is important. It's, it's, a, it's a major event in my faith.
We're going to prepare now for the receiving of our elements here for the communion. And you know, I'm going to, uh, I'm just going to share that if, if you have not personally taken that step to, to ask Jesus to be your Savior, that you acknowledge that Jesus Christ died on the cross for you. If you haven't taken that step to receive Christ in that way, hey, that's okay, and we're so glad you're here. But until you take that step, I ask you that when these elements come to you, that you just pass it along to, to the next person next to you, okay? That's an important step in your life. Let's pray right now. Let's prepare our hearts. Father, uh, we thank you, Father, for everyone who's here. We thank you, Father, for the process that each one of us is in, in our spiritual lives. We thank you, Lord, that we know we don't walk this alone, that you are there just encouraging us to keep moving forward. So, Father, we ask now that you prepare our hearts and our minds for the receiving of the Lord's Supper. That we do this, Father, because we remember the incredible work of love and sacrifice that Jesus did for us. So thank you, Lord. We ask this in Jesus' name. Amen.